Okay, we got this interview to do. Just gotta get a mic. Bro, Mike, what are you, you sleeping, dude? What? What are you doing? We got that interview with Jacob. What day is it today? It's interview time, that's oh, what it is. Oh, shoot. Dude, he's probably on the call right now. Dude, he was supposed to get on like 30 minutes ago. He's, he's waiting in the camera. Zoom lobby. He's probably waiting, right? What just, just get on. Just, just, like, the camera's set just up. Just get right? on the Zoom this call. This is our right? first we, Zoom interview. We, we, we don't even just, know what we're... Dude, just forget I, the camera. What lens? I don't even know what... It dude, where my, where's my ID filter at, Just sit down and get it out. Dude, he's... We're stressing out so bad, bro. We're just playing with you guys. We already recorded the interview. We just had... The sickest conversation with our boy Justin, aka at JCab, a real estate mogul, an uh, event throwing god, uh, and you know he came to us, brought us some sick information. You're gonna learn about his favorite book, some other books that he likes, how to get into investing in real estate, events. But make sure that you guys like and subscribe. You know, we put a ton of work in these videos and we wanna be able to bring you the best conversations, the best quality content. And so the more support that we get on this channel, the more of these interviews that we can bring to you and the more time that we can invest into making this as best as possible. So we're super excited for this episode and we hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, everybody? So we have a little bit of a different interview today. Uh, we're sitting here with Justin, aka at JCab, the founder of Total Property Solutions, Social X. He's doing a lot of work with VAs, uh, investing into real estate like apartments, um, as well as you know, I've seen him talking a little bit about you know ways to improve your credit score, credit, all that stuff. So I'm super pumped to dive into all this today and to just introduce you guys and see what's going on. So Justin, we're super pumped to have you here. Uh, where are you located like currently? Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. You guys kick ass. Love what you guys are doing. Love the platform that you've created. And I think it's so important for people to have a creation event or creation medium to really build a platform to be able to connect with really awesome people. And that's exactly what you guys have done. So hats off to you guys. Uh, I'm calling in from Tampa, Florida right now. Uh, usually I say sunny Tampa, Florida, but it's been raining like every day. If you guys are familiar with, you know, South Florida or, you know, mid Florida, this time of year, it just rains nonstop. But besides this, you know, month and a half, two month time period, it's, it's paradise. So I, I love it over here, man. That's awesome. So I kind of want to like start this interview, run it way back and kind of get into, you know, what got you into entrepreneurship in the first place? Mm -hmm. And when did you come to the realization like, okay, like, I do not want to have someone else be my boss. I want to do what I want to do. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, looking back on my life, I've always had very entrepreneurial tendencies. I've always been very independent. Um, and, you know, my dad, my mom and my father were entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really in my DNA. And I used, I used to just like flip stuff when I was young. I always find ways to make money, uh, whether it be hustling poker or selling stuff at school. I sold t-shirts, all types of different stuff. Um, but I, I was kind of brainwashed at a young age and I'm very thankful that my mom brainwashed me into really believing in myself. And she always told me, Justin, you can do literally whatever you want to do. 
Like she thought I loved basketball when I was young and she was telling me that I could be in the NBA if I practiced hard enough, which I don't know, man, maybe so. Maybe I could have been like a JJ Reddick type if I would have practiced really hard, but <laughs> um, that's just like that, that mindset really stuck with me growing up and she consistently reinforced it. So that's helped me a lot. Just kind of have self-confidence in, in life and try new things and, and not be afraid to fail. And, you know, I look at every failure. It's like, it's just a stepping stone to your next uh, success. And then of course you're going to fail again. You just keep going this upward loop. Right. Um, but I think when did I realize that I couldn't work for anybody else? Probably when I had to bag groceries, I used to bag groceries for like a month when I was 15. I think I got in trouble, uh, had to go get a job and I was bagging groceries. So I was like, man, this is awful. Students could tell me when to go pick up the carts and all this. And I was like, no, I got to find better ways to make money. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I feel like my version of bagging groceries was busting tables at a restaurant. Yeah. I did that probably for like the majority of my high school. Uh -huh. uh, that was like my career prior to yeah. photography was yeah. busting tables. But, you know, nothing else teaches you, man, I just want to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be taking orders from someone telling me to go clean yeah. the tables. I was a dishwasher at a retirement home when I was, uh, that was my first job. And like, it was just so dark and like muggy and all this stuff. And there was only one window and it was like 10 feet up. And that was when I realized like, I need to get outside and do something. Like I can't just be in here, but I feel you hundred percent on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got to try a lot of things to figure out what you like and you know, I, thankfully we, we figured out that we didn't like that stuff and it took us on different paths. <laughs> yeah. So I really like what you said about, um, you know, failing, looking at those as lessons. Cause like Truman and I are both strong believers and like, of course, nobody's perfect. You're going to mess up. And so something that you know, we were taught from one of our mentors was to fail forward and to, you know, look at each fail as a learning experience. And so what are some of like, the the biggest failures i guess that led into you realizing like okay i need to really snap into like just in mode to start killing it like what were, were some of those big realizations or just overall failures that ended up turning into the biggest lessons for you that uh made you who you want to be that that's a really good question man oh there's there's a lot i'd say one that had a big impact on me that I don't really talk about much. So that's a good question. Uh, my going into my junior year of high school. So I talked about basketball ironically earlier, which I don't really talk about much. This is kind of a funny interview, a lot different than any of the other ones I've had so far. So um, I used to really love basketball and in high school, I was getting pretty good. Like freshman year, I was the only freshman on the varsity team. We were number one in state pretty much that entire year. My sophomore year, didn't play as much as I wanted to on varsity, but junior year, because we had some really good seniors. We had like four or five really good seniors that were like all district type players. And I was just kind of like waiting for my turn. So my junior year was like, all right, this is my turn. This is really when I get to step up and be a leader on the team, on this team. We're going to be good. Um, and dude, I failed a drug test for smoking pot and I got kicked off. And I was so bummed, man, because I was so excited for the season. And I was really like, I went to a small Christian school and there, it was just one of those things where they're always in your business, you know, type thing. And I was always a leader. So 
whether I was a leader for throwing a party or leading on the basketball court, I got blamed whether we won or lost or whether we, and I'm, and I'm cool with that. I'd rather, I'd rather it be on me. Cause that means that, that at least gives me control. Right. But I kind of was considered the leader of the kid throwing, you know, the one throwing the parties and I probably was, <laughs> but anyways, I got kicked off the basketball team because of that. And my senior year, I didn't play. Um, and that was a huge regret because I believe we would have won state. And I just felt like I didn't live up to my full potential in that particular, in like, and one of my passions, right? I was super passionate about it and I just dropped it. I, and it, it really bugged me. I, I mean, I'm kind of over it now, but it, it definitely bugged me for a really long time and helped me shape my mindset. It was like, I'm never going to let another really good opportunity uh, go by and not seize the moment and take full advantage of, of the opportunity. So that, that definitely shaped my life um, up until this point. Uh, I would say another big failure, even bigger than that, would probably be oh, recently with, with Total Property Solutions, we were growing at such a fast rate. Uh, the first seven or eight months, we did like 1.3 million in revenue. The second year we did, I think seven, like just under 7 million in revenue. And we were just, we were growing so fast and we, we got a couple of really big clients that were like, we literally want you to start renovating a hundred houses a month for us. Wow. At the time we were renovating like 15 houses a month. Yeah. So we went out, we grew really, really fast. And then these, you know, we had literally like a hundred proposals out to these clients. Right. And we were, we would win, you know, it, consistently we were growing at a very fast rate. So we brought on all this overhead. Our overhead was like $150,000 a month. Uh, we had like 15 employees, 3000 uh, square feet of office space, etc. Uh, and this is the first time I've ever told this story to anybody besides like five of my close friends. <laughs> um, so, so the clients, we had like a hundred proposals out to these guys. We were renovating like 50, 60 houses at this time. Couple, a few million dollars uh, in total renovations all at once. And two of the clients, our two biggest clients that were like, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, just kind of went cold on us. And they were like, oh, we're going to approve these proposals. Don't worry, we're going to approve them. We're going to approve them. And then month after month, they just kept like pushing us off. Right. And it got to the point to where, you know, we, we were growing so fast, they kept approving more and more and more. And then they just stopped and went cold. And they basically lied to us, honestly. Um, and they just started selling all their houses as is instead of give, giving them to us to renovate. So they were selling to like mom and pop, pop uh, handyman flippers who could go in and renovate it cheaper. So they would make a little bit more money. Hmm. But they were lying to us, which really sucked. Yeah. 150K a month in overhead. And we were just sitting there waiting for them for like, we waited too long. But we had to lay off some people. And now we're renovating like 10, 15 houses at any given time. But that really taught me, number one, I only want to work with people that I know, like, and trust. Mm. And not only from a client standpoint, but it also goes from an employee standpoint. Because when you're growing that fast, you have to hire fast as well. And you can get some bad eggs that just make your day-to-day -day not as fun. Yeah. So one thing that when I stepped back from all this and really did a lot of deep work, I decided that I was only going to work with people on the client side and build a phenomenal team that I really, really enjoy working with day to day. 
So that would be a huge lesson that I got out of that. I don't regret any of it uh, for sure. You know, I learned how to run a very fast growing business, how to, how to manage employees. I mean, basically the whole nine yards of running a business. So um, I would say those are two big failures that have molded me into who I am and what I'm doing now for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and talking about this because I don't think enough people on social media or on the internet address their failures. And I think it should be totally okay to talk about this. Yeah. You know, it's, you see way too much of only the wins and only the positive stuff that people don't realize the below the iceberg is like, yeah, you're just looking at the tip. Uh-huh. Yeah, look at people like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos and think that they're the most successful because they don't make mistakes. But it's mainly, it's usually the other way around where like they've made the most mistakes over their career and they've learned from them and that's why they're up there. And so I feel like that it's a powerful lesson that you've just shared that to, like you need to be able to make mistakes and learn from them and move forward and never make, try to never make that mistake again and like keep them forward. I, think that's I awesome. agree more, man. If you look statistically at who the best, going back to basketball again, best basketball players are, it's the people who took the most shots. Yeah. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, all these guys, they also shot the most shots. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the point leaders, but they also shot the most. They practiced the most. They failed the most. I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan has missed more game winners than anybody yeah. in, in the history of the game, but he's probably also – made more game winners you know his percentage might not be any better you know say if you make 20 percent of your game winners or whatever i'm sure he's probably somewhere in the middle but he's he, people people are going to remember you at the end of the day that you got back up and you kept shooting your shot you know what i'm saying uh, so you talked a little bit about working with people that you know like and trust how is that related to what you're doing with social x now i feel like that's what you're more passionate about at the moment like what are, what's the type of people that are around social X and how, what's like that fulfillment like for you? Yeah, man, that's a great question. So with social X, really my mission is to, well, let me, let me take a step back. So I, I, I sat back and I thought, how can I make the biggest positive impact on the world? And that's kind of a big question, right? And I wanted to be sure that, I was spending my time in the, doing the right things to where I could actually leave a, a massive positive impact on the world. Going back to like my mom kind of brainwashing me, telling me I could do whatever I wanted. Um, I, I believe that. So it's like, all right, if I can do anything, what should I be doing? You know? And I was like, well, how do I want to be remembered when I die? I want to be remembered as somebody who always gave more than he took. And I have big ambitions and dreams myself. You know, I want, I want the nice house and I want the nice boat and I want that dumb materialistic stuff just cause it's, it's more of a goal of that's the type of person that I have to become to where like, that's not a sweat off my back and I'm not doing it just as a vanity metric. It's just like, that's a lifestyle, you know, but I want to, I want to be somebody who, who give, who gives more than they, that they can take. And then also I was like, all right, how do I do that the best? Well, if I can help other entrepreneurs, who by definition solve problems in the world, then they can help a lot of people. So it's like, how do I help people who can then have a bigger ripple effect and help more and more and more people? So I figured that that's gotta be what I set out to do. So with Social X, 
we're really cultivating a community right now. We have, I think we just got our 35th member today. Um, got a few more people signing up this week, uh, apparently, which is awesome. Uh, but really just cultivating a community that is really obsessed with personal development, professional development, really, uh, awesome support group where everyone's holding each other accountable to hit their non-negotiable goals. Um, day in and day out, we actually have like this thing called the mastery metric sheet. We broke it out into a group of like five or six people and everyone writes out, all right, I, it's like for me, for instance, I have eight non-negotiables. They're like, if I hit those, I freaking crush my day. So we have little mini groups to hold each other accountable. It's like, yo, J-Cab, you didn't get your meditation in today, man. What's, why are you slacking? And then it's like, all right, I got to do this before I go to bed, you know? So we're doing that. And it's kind of creating that community. And on top of that, it creates the relationships that then lead to good business partners, good joint ventures. And that's really the community we've been able to create. And then we have, uh, you know, really experts in business and thought leaders in various different industries, successful entrepreneurs come in two or three times a week and teach via a Zoom call um, to the mastermind. And I really wasn't even planning on starting a mastermind, which is kind of funny. You know, I threw the event because I love connecting people. And then people were asking me, what's next? What's next? You know, and I was thinking, well, shoot. That was a lot of work. How do I, I, I can't throw an event every freaking weekend. How do I keep building this community? So I was like, all right, I got to take this thing digital. I got to take this thing online. And that's when we started the Social X Mastermind. That's super tight. And like, like you mentioned earlier, there's totally a sense of accountability from like having a tight community like that. Mm -hmm. that like, you are who you surround yourself with. If you're constantly, you know, engaging with people that are trying to do the same thing as you and they think the same, um, it like, has an insane effect. So like anybody out here watching, like if you've got lame friends that are holding you back from going out and like even little things like, hey, let's go on a hike today. Like your friends should be encouraging doing stuff that yeah. push your comfort zones, uh -huh. push your creativity, um, and push you to become better at the end of the day. Yeah. Very well said, man. Very well said. And I really, as we grow, like I'm going to keep growing this thing. And, and a lot of people are scared, you know, they've been in a mastermind before or something where it's gotten too big and it loses that uh, personal touch. So I'm very conscious about that, conscientious about that. But we have such a good group of like really young, like just leaders that I'm not that worried about it because I already know like, all right, who, these are, these are going to be the next five or six group leaders that are going to be holding their mini accountability group accountable so i feel good that we can scale it and still keep that small feel that that's that small group communication um but yeah dude that's super great so going back into like your network and stuff like that i just saw yeah. you post on instagram you're with gary v in uh, columbus so uh i kind of beast that guy is huh <laughs> I kind of want to hear the backstory behind that photo. I know we're kind of like jacking this from Hot Ones, the whole uh, explain the gram thing that they do. <laughs> but I want to hear the story behind that photo with Gary. Yeah, so one of my friends who actually started working with me, uh, Jaden Hefner, he's also in the mastermind as well. But I met him through uh, just mutual friends. He was like, Jacob, you got to come to this event in Columbus, Ohio. Gary V's coming. I was like, man, I really want to meet Gary V, but why Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> it was actually a pretty cool city. It's my first time in the Midwest. 
and I travel a good bit, so it's kind of funny. Um, Columbus uh, next month, actually. Really? Yeah, it's it's apparently. Actually, I know because I say the real estate markets. The real estate market is booming there, but I guess it's kind of a side note. Um, this, but the city's definitely growing. Startup scenes alive there. But he was like, "Yeah, dude, you got to come to this event." So I did. Bought a couple of VIP tickets so I could meet Gary V and got to connect with some members on his team, um, as, as well as the creative crew. Um, so I met D Rock, met Tyler. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say anyone specifically that you can shout out. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. Uh, he was a really cool, dude. That's his uh, executive assistant. D Rock was a nice guy, and the third guy I didn't talk too much. I mainly talked to Tyler. We're going to have him come to a, a social X event soon. Um, I think the third guy was named Andy. Cool. Kind of a strategist for, but it was really cool to learn and see how, learn more about how Gary V was producing all of his content and the strategy and the team behind it. He's got 35 people creating this content now, which I guess doesn't surprise. It's like, wow, that's a lot of people just for one person's personal brand. But obviously you see this guy's face everywhere. So they're executing very well. Uh, it's definitely an impressive operation and it's something that I'm trying to mimic at least at a small scale right now and, and, and build it out. I just need some, some creative hustlers like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gary is someone that I've always looked up to in his ability of like team, team building. Cause yeah, we've met a few different guys from his team. Um, and they're just some like the most hustlers they kill it and they like their energy is so authentic and very they're all such individuals they're all themselves and um it really reflects in like his content mm -hmm. so aside from gary who are some other people like entrepreneurs in the industry that you know you look up to and that would be like kind of uh you're like a dream to work with or collaborate with that's a really good question um I would have to say Dave Meltzer. You guys know Dave Meltzer? He's yeah. a really good dude. And I've been keeping in touch with him. I kind of look up to him as a mentor right now. And as just somebody who is trying to make a big positive impact on the world, I feel like our visions are pretty aligned, you know, kind of with their ripple effect strategy that he's, that he's working on. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's just a genuinely good dude. Like Gary Vee, like, just like you said, genuinely good people. And you can immediately tell right when you meet them. You know, there's some people that get big on Instagram or whatever, and they think that they're hot shit pretty much. Mm -hmm. But these guys, you can tell they're the real deal and they're genuinely good people and they have good intentions. Another dude that I've been consuming a lot of his content um, is Patrick Bet Bet David. Oh, yeah. um, He's out of Dallas, but he owns a business called PHP Company. It's an insurance and financial service agency, which I'm not really interested in that business or that business model really, but the content that he puts out via his uh, platform, Valuetainment, is really, really good. Like really, really good, really tact, uh, tactical advice, and he knows what he's talking about. He's, yeah. he's, so he's a dude I've been studying, and then I've studied all of Grant Cardone's material I agree 100% with his in, uh, apartment investing. Um, maybe not his exact business model, but the fact that it's the best investment, 100%. So like my long-term goal is just have thousands and thousands of apartment units and have all these benefits of investing in real estate with the, 
the tax benefits, uh, you know, the depreciation, cash flow, long-term appreciation, and you can get those suckers. What a lot of people don't realize is you can get a non-recourse loan. And basically what non-recourse is, if the uh, apartment complex stops performing, say it goes to 50% occupancy, so 50% of the units are totally vacant, it's not cash flowing anymore, the bank takes it back, and, but they, don't come after, they can't come after any of your personal assets. So basically once you get it to non-recourse, you want to keep managing it and make sure that's still cash flowing so you can keep getting the money and get the appreciation upside if you ever want to sell it. However, you're safe. You're good. So what you, all, you, all you really got to do is stabilize a, prop, a property, then put a non-recourse loan that you can get from, well, I don't get too technical, but <laughs> I agree with this methodology uh, that apartment investing is the way to go. So like, let's say uh, I was to go buy an apartment building. How much like cash would I need upfront to make that happen? So Grant talks about this a lot. You want to be able to get economies of scale. So I would say try to buy 50 units or above. So you can, you could syndicate a deal, which is basically just get a bunch of people's money together, then go buy it. So that way you can have an site property manager working at nonstop. And if you have, say if you only, say if you have a 12 unit, say you have a 10 unit, right? If you get two people that move out, you're only 80% occupied. You're probably breaking even at that point. Mm -hmm. But if you have two people move out in a 50 unit, you're good because your, your occupancy rates was at 96%. So it, it's safer to go bigger, which a lot of people don't understand. However, if you yourself wanted to go invest in real estate, you could get a fourplex, which is not considered multifamily. One through four units is considered single family still. So you could actually go get a, a loan and only put three and a half percent down on a fourplex, which if you guys are in LA, it's going to be more expensive, but you could go out to the outskirts and you could live in one unit and rent the other three units out. And the other three units are going to be paying down your mortgage. And eventually you'll have that sucker paid off. So that's another little hack if you want to get into real estate investing. Dude, that's super awesome. So what was it that like sparked your interest in like real estate slash uh, property renovations and getting into that world? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of grew up around it. When my dad was 18 years old, you know, my family doesn't come from money or my, you know, my dad does not come from money. Um, and he's just always been a hustler. And when he was 18, he started working. He found some, um, yeah, a couple thousand dollars saved up. You know, a few thousand dollars, went and bought crappy foreclosed property, put some paint carpet on it, sold it for a few thousand more and just kept doing that. And then he got plugged in to some guys doing that at a larger level and just got plugged in with them. You know, he's kind of established himself as a young hustler, found some good real estate mentors that took him under his wing, under their wings. And um, so anyways, when I, as I grew up, he would just point out random little things in real estate to me that I would pick up on over time. And, you know, when I started, um, you know, I realized that I don't want to be broke. I want to make a lot of money and I want to be successful in all facets of life. So I was like, I got to figure out this wealth creation thing. So I started studying who the most successful people were, who the richest people were, et cetera. And I, and I, and I, and I read that like 90% or something of millionaires became millionaires through real estate. So I was like, all right, my dad does real estate. A lot of people make money via real estate. I got to, I got to learn real estate. <laughs> um, so I started working for my dad and stuff in the summers, uh, in high school, a little bit in high school and then a lot more in college. 
And then I started working for a student housing real estate developer in college, started doing his marketing and leasing for his apartments. Um, and then he hired me full time after college and I was managing four of his apartment complexes where I went to college at university of Mississippi, Ole Miss. Okay. Cool. And, um, so I learned a lot from him, uh, student housing, real estate developer. He was, a, he owned a lot of real estate, but it was kind of a small shops, which was pretty cool. Cause I kind of got to be like his right hand man and kind of took me under his wing a little bit and showed me a lot of different things. And what I realized is number one, don't get me wrong, he's a very smart, very, very hardworking guy, but you don't have to be a genius to be successful. And number two is you can just figure it out. Just talk to the right people, figure out who you need to talk to to get something done. Whether it's somebody at the city, whether it's uh, finding the right contractor, you can put pieces of the deal together. And that's what I love about real estate development. Developers really are just getting the right team in place to succeed which is really what I enjoy doing. Dude, that's huge. That's super awesome. So um, also, so I kind of want to go back. You mentioned earlier about uh, writing an autobiography. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey with that. A lot of like why you decided to do that in the first place. And uh, uh, yeah, just kind of a bit about that. Yeah. So this is something I've been talking more and more with people about, uh, you know, I talk to probably two or three people a week that are like, dude, I see like you're happy and you're doing your thing and like you're working hard and you're running these businesses. Like, I just feel stuck. It's like, I'm, whether they're working a nine to five or they're looking for a job or they're in college and they don't know what to do after, maybe they just graduated um, or maybe they're older and they're just, they're stuck. They, uh, they're like asking me, what, what did you do? And this is what I did. I kind of just wrote it all out. So I think number the first step is to become very, very self-aware. And I'm getting to the autobiography. I don't want to think you to think that I'm ignoring your question. It all ties in. <laughs> so number, the first thing that you got to do is become very self-aware with who you are and what you like to do. And understand what drives you, what motivates you, what you're good at, what you enjoy doing. And there's an intersection of all that, and that's really what you got to do. Um, so the first step is like, I think, in my opinion, is take personality tests. So literally take, just Google personality tests and take every freaking test you can find. The, the Tony Robbins disc test is good. Um, the 16 personalities, I think it's called like Meyer Briggs or something. That's pretty good. Um, I've taken a handful more, but just, just Google it and take everything you can find and then read that and study it and think about, all right, is this right? Why is this right? Why is this wrong? Think about how you act, what you do. And then I wrote out, um, all right. Then the next thing I did was I, you know, you got to begin with the end in mind. So how do you want to be remembered? So writing your own eulogy extremely impactful. I've done it two or three times. First time I ever did it was in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm pretty sure if you haven't read that, to anybody listening, highly suggest reading that one. Yeah. Y'all read that one? Oh yeah. He so, actually, his neighbor was uh, Stephen Covey. No way. So uh, I, I grew up. What? <laughs> my, my, my family is, uh, belongs to a religion called uh, Mormons. Yeah. And so, uh, my in my little you grew up in Utah, right? Yeah, 
Uh, yeah. So in my ward, uh, my scout leader actually was David Covey, who is Stephen Covey's son. Yep. And so, you know, all of our scouting activities or things that we did on a weekly basis, he would always take us to his dad's house, which was super sick. It had a indoor basketball court, a pool. <laughs> it was just like really sick, big place. Um, yeah. He took like, 15 or 20 of all of us scouts to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, which is like, you know, you're looking at $60 a plate. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like super sick. But I never understood who he was when he was alive because I was so young. And yeah. it was just like, oh, the Coveys are like, they're just like my neighbor. Like it was just like another family growing up. Yeah. And so it wasn't until moving in like to New York, getting into the entrepreneur space and realizing that at every single networking event or whatever, at least at one point, someone would bring up seven habits or like how Stephen Covey changed their life. Yeah, dude, it's, that's, that's such a cool story. <laughs> I had no idea. So I'm guessing he's Mormon as well. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea, but Sorry, his like writings and, and Mormonism, which is pretty cool, but yeah nice yeah i mean i had no idea on his uh religion faith or yeah his, his faith and beliefs i know he talks about you know religion in that book a little bit you know having a faith practicing it um but yeah dude that was a that was an extremely impactful book that was one of the first personal developments i book i, I read sorry one of the first personal developments books i read when i really started getting into self-development personal development when I realized college wasn't going to teach me the tools I needed to be successful. <laughs> so I started, I started taking it into my own hands. And that's around that time I read, you know, rich dad, poor dad, think and grow rich, seven habits, how to win friends and influence people. And that was the biggest growth phase and mindset shift in my life. Uh, I think I was around like sophomore year of college, but, um, all of those books are essential. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like must reads. Like you got to start there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, do you, what's your favorite book right now? Favorite book right now? It's a little bit. Uh, I think it's a good one to read if you have a business. If you if you haven't read those other books, read those books first. Just want to get that clear. Favorite book right now is probably Principles by Ray Dalio. Yeah, I was back. Really good one. Um, very in depth. That dude is very particular. I want to have the time to make all those principles and, and write them all out, which I, I, I probably should I'm trying to document literally everything I do so I can delegate everything I do. I've done a pretty good job of doing that, but um, that's a really powerful book as well. Yeah. So you just said document everything that you do so you can delegate everything you do. Um, what are some of uh, the systems and stuff that you've, had to develop and what are some of your strategies for developing systems in your business because like Truman and I are also kind of you know trying to implement as many systems into our business as well so that we can you know scale grow mm -hmm. and like treat it like a business um, and so a lot of entrepreneurs artists creatives out there don't even understand how powerful systems can be especially the creative community they they get into taking photos or making videos and they, they stay with that the whole time and they never systemize any of it and hire new people. They try to do everything themselves and you can only get so far with that. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. 
about that more. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we have, we have a couple of creatives in the social X mastermind that we've been really drilling this down to them because just like you said, you know, creatives are like, this is my baby. Like I'm the best. This is my vision. I'm the best at doing this. Like, this is my thing. This is what I love to do. And I get it because you guys are doing what you love to do. So I commend you. You should never stop doing what you love to do. However, to create a successful business, you, you need to get other people around you so that you can make more money and really run a, a business, right? Um, instead of just like a one or two man shop. So the, the first step is like create a flow chart of like, this is where I start, this is where I end, and here's the high level steps in between. And just keep it high level so you don't get overwhelmed at first and then get into more and more detail, right? So one way to do it is to record each other. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna record uh, myself doing the entire task, and then I'm gonna rewatch it, and I'm gonna write out step-by-step step everything I did, and then I'm gonna make a video about it, and hand that, we call it standard operating procedure, that SOP, off to somebody else who did not create that SOP. And if that person can then take that SOP, that checklist and that video that you created, which I used Loom, it's a free app to, to record the videos. Um, if that person can take that SOP and then execute, then that's how you know you made a great SOP. Usually there's a little back and forth. So usually they're gonna have one, two or three questions and then you just add that into your checklist add that into your video and hand it off again and then if they can execute on it you're good so that's how you make an SOP and that's how you can start delegating work and we we de delegate a lot of work to virtual assistants between me and my two business partners we have 14 excuse me we have 14 virtual assistants and um, really as we just taught the whole automation and delegation process to people. We naturally real and showed people how we were using VAs to, to delegate a lot of the work. People naturally just kept coming to us and saying, hey, I want a VA, hey, I want a VA to do this. And we're like, all right, we're just gonna start a little complimentary business to what we're already doing and, and helping people with. So now we have a virtual assistant, uh, employment agency, and really a consulting firm to um, give we actually have like some template SOPs that we're giving our clients right now. Um, and then kind of showing them how they can create SOPs in their business around whatever they want. Um, and then we staff them with a virtual assistant. So kind of one of the ways real quick, how we're different than most VA companies. Most companies are VA management companies. So basically a VA management company, you pay them 10, 15, $25, $30 per hour and then they turn around and pay the VA a very small fraction of that. Yeah. What we do is kind of, we teach you how to fish instead of provide the fish for you. So we're like, here's all the systems and processes that we use to run our teams. Literally exactly what we do. Um, here's how you can create SOPs. Here are some SOPs that we use predominantly around lead generation and, and setting appointments um, so that you can, at the end of the day, make more sales, make more revenue. And then here's how you can outsource that and, and really hire, manage, train, and pay your employees. So they're your employees and you pay the VAs directly two, three, four, five dollars per hour instead of paying a management company that then turns around and pays them and takes the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So where can people go to find out more information about that? Because I feel like a lot of our audience members are in that stage where they're looking to hire VAs. So they would love to check out something like that. Yeah, I think the easiest thing to do, we have website and everything, but the easiest thing to do, just DM me at jcab, at jcab on Instagram, and I'll hit you right back. And, you know, send, I can send you all the information, hop on a call, talk more in depth about it. Um, yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Virtual assistants are game changing once you get them. So game changing. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta take a step back to take two steps forward, right? So no one likes creating SOPs. It's a yeah. pain in the ass. It really is, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like another thing too, of like how much do you value your time? Because there's things that you're spending the majority of your time doing that is low level technician work that you can outsource to a VA through these SOPs. And that way you can focus on like what you want to be yeah. doing with Do your time. Do more of what you love doing. Yeah. If, exactly. it's, if it's videography that we love doing, we can outsource all the other stuff and only do what we want to do. Yeah. Know? Yep. Exactly. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm working with like three, three videographers on that right now. Um, you guys probably know a couple of them. What are their uh, handles? Shout them out. Uh, Roger Rojas. You know him? Um, not off the top of my head. Not off the top of my head, but. He's, a, he's a New York guy. Um, and then Gustavo and Sean O'Lynn. They're in Jacksonville. I, don't, I figured y'all might know Roger because you were up in Jersey with Gerard, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at his page and I, uh, he looks familiar, but I don't think we've met face-to-face -face before. Dude, follow him and shoot him a DM. Say, hey, I just interviewed Jake. Have he gave you a shout-out? Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. I just hit him with the follow. Shout-out, uh, Roger. Nice. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we never uh, – I never talked – finished up the autobiography thing, I, I don't think. I kind of just jumped – so I forget where I left off, but, um, all right. So personality tests begin with the end in mind. And then we kind of, we started talking about the Covey thing, which is awesome. And then, um, so yeah, write your own eulogy. Like, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what do you want your spouse to say, uh, at your funeral? What do you want your family to say? What do you want your friends to say at your funeral? What do you want your community to say about you at your funeral? So like, how do you want to be remembered? And then if you can begin with the end in mind, you can kind of reverse engineer from there. So then I was like, all right, I want to make a big positive impact on the world. I want to be this, this, and this. Um, I got to find an avenue for that, doing something that I love. So that's when I wrote like this three-page autobiography, which really was just an outline of from the very beginning of when I can remember my life up until now. Very emotional process if, you, if you've ever done it because you tend to think about different times of your life, different bits and pieces, but never – it all strung together. So you, you remember a lot of highs and lows as you're writing it out. It's a very powerful thing to do. And then I, I kind of identified and circled the, the times in my life where I felt most uh, passionate and most uh, energized and happy. And I realized it was always when I was connecting people. So I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to make a business and a life around that. And that's where I started Social X. Wow. That is super awesome. I mean, so how long was that process of, you know, writing out from start to finish from uh, your, like thinking back to old memories and thoughts that you may not have even thought of since the event happened, you know? 
Yeah. So just the autobiography part I did in a night, in like an hour, probably hour and a half. But like the, the all the person, like all, all the, um, a lot of the self-awareness stuff came before that, like the personality test kind of built up to that point over a couple of years. Um, but as far as like just the autobiography portion, that was just in one night. Yeah. That's super awesome. So going into like the, your future of social X, like what are some of the things that you're trying to do in the next one year or even like three, five years? Yeah, man. So if you can see this whiteboard behind me, I have all my goals and, and to do's to execute, but I want to grow the, the mastermind to a hundred people while still keeping a really, really close knit group of people that are really, uh, just loving it. And we're over, we're continuously over delivering value, which we are right now. And, and I know we will continue to do. Um, I want to keep helping people and empowering people to really create successful businesses around what they love doing. Um, very passionate about that. Um, and you know, kind of on that right there, the entrepreneurial education system is very messed up. Like in college, I took a couple entrepreneurial classes taught by people who are never entrepreneurs themselves. So it's totally backwards. So in the mastermind and the, the curriculum that I'm coming out with, trying to completely flip that upside down to where it's only very successful, uh, you know, industry leaders teaching their areas of expertise. Um, so I'm trying to put some more structure around that to where it's going to start with a lot of things I just talked about in the personal development side of things and then go into a business foundation because if you don't have the personal side of things down, your business is going to be in your life is just going to be a shit show. <laughs> so uh, we're starting with that really like the self awareness, figuring out what you want to do and then going into the business fundamentals and business foundation that are going to be taught by only very successful people. So really uh, like curating all that information. And, that, and that's, uh, it's been awesome because we've been able to get all these different industry experts in to come teach um, who, you know, people otherwise may not have been able to connect with or learn from. Right. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's super awesome. I mean, I think just like your overall mission and passion of, you know, connecting people, it also really shows just in, you know, whenever I see the videos that you post or the recaps of your events and seeing how happy everybody is to be there, people are always just mingling, having a good time. Like, it, it definitely yeah. reflects in your events. So like props to you for all that. Like, mm -hmm. and honestly, I like, I want to make my way to one of your events. It's kind of hard being like on the other side of the country, but 100% bro, I'm going to come. Yes. And I would love to experience yeah. just in person, everyone, the energy, the energy everyone connecting, stuff like that. So yeah, dude, we, uh, we're having one August 17th and 18th in Miami. I know it's a big flight for you guys, but would love to have you come. That's a free event. It's going to be in the Wynwood Arts District in Miami. And then October 3rd through 6th, we're doing uh, like a private mastermind in Cancun. So I'm excited about that. That's only going to be like 25 people. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, dude, I got to get one out on the West Coast by you guys. Yeah. So hey, we can uh, partner up on an event on the West Coast, connecting creators and social X, and we can help facilitate something. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Like you guys have a totally different skill set than I have. Like, I, I don't think like you guys. So I know, I know my blind spots and I know I need good people like you guys to, uh, to work with, uh, would love to collaborate. Let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, dude. Totally. We'll definitely like, talk more about it, uh, off air, but 
Yep. Well, so I don't want to take any more of your time. I think we've had like a super awesome conversation. And I really, again, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and willing to open up and yeah. talk about a lot of this stuff. So to kind of wrap this up, where can everyone go to find you and to, uh, you know, stay up to date with what you're, go what you're doing? Yeah, man, absolutely. Follow me on Instagram. That's going to be the best way to get in contact with me. Jcab, at Jcab, at J-C-A-B. And then my, uh, my email, if you want to email me anything, is jcab at socialxevents.com. You can email me collaboration opportunities, sponsorship ideas, uh, real estate deals, always looking for those. Uh, but yeah, I would love to connect with anybody. Uh, just say what's up, man. Love connecting with new people. Yeah, totally. Sweet. Sweet. Well, thank you again for being on. And uh, yeah. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys.